In old Rhymehold, he was called Good Father Gaius, the noble marble pillar sleeping in the labyrinth. They built their own maze temples in their own cities so they could pray to a god who had always tried on their behalf. They are, like all labyrinths, sacred places. Sacred to the memory of their beloved dying deity. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. I'm your host, and your king, and your actual minotaur. It's me, Cat. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to get you. The actual minotaur? Does that mean you live in a labyrinth? Yes. Uh, I thought you just lived in Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, but you said yourself you can't navigate Edmonton. Well, but I can't navigate like... It's a labyrinth. A tunnel. That It's not a labyrinth. It's mysterious. I mean, maybe, but... Nick's here. <laughs> Nick is here. Nick is probably lost, but he I did make it here. Nick made it here. I got lost on the way, though. Kirsten's here. Kirsten's here. I'm here. And I think Kathleen's is there somewhere? I feel like I am fairly confident in this position. Momentum is a little bit sketchy, but that's okay. Yeah. Vectors, right? Ah. Yeah. Who can trust them? Not me, that's for sure. I can trust them. I trust every morning to vector cereal. <laughs> Come on, now you gotta pay us, Kellogg's. <laughs> Money, please. <laughs> Wait, does Kellogg's have a cereal called Vector? That's weird. Do you guys not have Vector? Must be a Canadian thing. Yeah, it's probably called something else. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's... It's marketed along the same lines as like like Gatorade. Like it's a it's a performance breakfast cereal for sports athletes. Yep. It's got like granola and stuff. <laughs> it tastes like cardboard. It really does. It's like, okay, let's have cornflakes, but instead of just like cornflakes, which already taste pretty bland, we're just gonna make it taste even more cardboardy bland. I looked it up on the internet and while it hasn't told me if it exists in the U.S. or what it's called in the U.S., it does call itself a meal replacement cereal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's a phrase that is weighing heavily on me, I think. <laughs> Joke's on you, Vector. Any cereal can be a re- meal replacement cereal if you're lazy enough or depressed. <sighs> <laughs> and I am both. <laughs> That was Kathleen, the meal replacement cereal. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe the cereal replacement meal. Oh, shit. Previously on Sword of Symphonies, the party found and navigated a series of underground tunnels in Naka that had gone untouched for who knows how long. Ages, probably forever and found themselves in the graveyard just outside the temple Uh, an attempt to open the door didn't get anyone anywhere but some extremely aggressive knocking did and eventually there was the sound of moving barricades from inside 
And here we are in scene. The doors have opened and Marcus has fallen to his knees. And has, yes, and he has just plain uh, begun to weep. Um, Caldus is kind of crouched next to him, trying either to stop him or get him up or he's not quite sure what to make of this (laughs) sudden show of emotion. But he's doing his best. One success on just a plain sensitivity roll. What the heck does Tissa see? Well, what Tissa sees is the door opens and there's a person standing on the other side wearing armor, severely battered and scratched armor, not particularly well-maintained, and beneath it, a torn and tattered uniform. They are not particularly tall, probably about Tissa's height, with dark, dark bags under equally dark eyes. They are like Marcus, pale-skinned, with very dark hair and eyes. And they just kind of blink at you all in just disbelief. It's nice to see a friendly face. My name is Jonathan Cobbler. This is my crew, and this is our good friend. And he points to Marcus. Marcus, guys, the son. That is Clara's surname. I thought you all had the same name. I have been over this (laughs) with you, Cobbler. We do not. Cobb kind of turns to Penelope. Do they really not all have the same name? Uh Penelope kind of just shrugs slightly like, "Mm." (laughs) It's white something. Whitstone. And the person on the other side is like, I I know the commander. Get get inside. And they they just kind of wave you in. I'm sorry. We're bad at manners. And I'm just kind of surprised that you're real and not dead. I am. I was hoping so. (laughs) But I'm kind of surprised. And Marcus, like, wipes his his face off. And how many? How many of you? Uh, come on, inside. Just everybody, everybody get inside. And you all walk through the massive doors of this ancient church. And the soldier shoves the door shut behind you and begins shoving well, you can see old dusty furniture back into place against the door. There are five of us, four of us. It depends. I see. Tessa just nods as though this is information that makes complete sense. Yeah. This is gonna, uh, well, I am, uh, Ampe Gaius Merciful. And, uh, welcome to the Church of Gaius Gray. Uh, come on, let's, let's get to the others. I, we never thought anyone was coming. Penelope just silently pulls out the bottle of wine that she had in her coat and passes it to the new friend, like, want some? (laughs) We found this. Kind of. (laughs) You found, you just found, yes, actually. And and he nods and takes a deep drink and just sighs, just a big old bellows of a sigh. All right. How'd you, how'd you all get here? 
Old smugglers' tunnels. Uh, these kinds of towns always have something like that. Just say, uh, professional information from a previous profession. There were, there were tunnels all along, and Marcus is just nodding silently at the same expression of resigned bewilderment. The hall is dark. Ampe carries a torch and leads through a long twisting corridor, a single long twisting corridor that seems to travel in large swooping arcs back and forth on itself. Not unlike the smuggler's tunnels you just came out of, but lined with tiles on all sides. Sometimes the limestone is carved into images. The most common image you see is that of the pillar at the center of the labyrinth, enduring Gaius. But you also see carvings of spears and shields, as well as just ornate white and blue tiles, many of them cracked and dusty. So how have you been holding out here? Do you have a garden? Uh, there's a... Uh, not well. Are you the ones fishing? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. The little tiny marks, though, that's not you. What? That's what I thought. There are probably five of us. But, uh, well, you'll, you'll see when you meet everybody. And the tunnel turns on itself again. So how did you get to Naka? We came on, on Clara's prototype ship, the Westbreaker. It really cuts through the ice amazing. Um, so that's kind of how we got up to this far north. A ship? Mm-hmm. A prototype ship built by our engineer. So we can leave? Yeah. It does move through the water pretty easily with the new engineering Clara has put to it. I would like to leave. <sighs> right. Yes, agreed. This place is unwelcoming. Not not this place. I just mean mm. Cobb kind of like motions to outside in general. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I'm real tired of it. I think we're all real tired of it. The path winds back on itself again. So you just arrived this afternoon or today, I guess, if you made it here. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was morning. We got here, went through the tunnels. Yeah. Well, you're just in time. If you'd been even a little bit later, these doors wouldn't have budged for anybody. Ah. Mm. Uh. Once it's closed, it's closed. Mm. And eventually, the path opens up into a large central inner sanctum, lit by a fire built out of scavenged wood. The dominant central figure is a large gray marble pillar. And around it, a circular altar. And there are, true to the rough count, four more crusaders in the room. One of them sits on this altar, and the rest sit on benches around the room. And Ampe looks at them and says, We are, uh, uh, we're rescued, I guess. And there is 
a kaleidoscope of enormous, immediate emotional reactions. The soldier sitting on the altar, a very pale woman with long, long hair, just weeps silently into her hands. A pair of the others kind of clasp each other's arms and just start shouting, just unintelligible shouting at each other. One of them just kind of runs up to Marcus, who kind of immediately takes them by the shoulder and they kind of return the gesture and everyone is talking at once. There is smoked fish sitting next to this scavenged bonfire and there is a bowl full of chopped up green kelp and little else. Penelope silently just puts the wine by the rest of the food so it's there if people want Marcus turns to Penelope and asks, uh, the extra pack I asked you to take, would you, would you please? Oh, yes. Yes, here. And just Marcus starts opening out the, the pack that you helped him put together before setting out here. Some canned oranges, some preserved beef, some hardtack. Terrible ship food, maybe, but there's a light in the eyes of the Crusaders as they look at the first real food that they've seen in years. And the weeping soldier looks up from her arms and says, Okay, we can't go tonight. And the others nod. Nampai says, Don't worry. One more time. Just one more, and then you can stay awake as long as you like. And she nods closes her eyes and takes a deep, deep breath. And the room seems to ring like a bell as everything just begins to resonate together in one enormous shaking chamber. Everyone inside shakes. The jar of oranges rattles slightly against the floor. The dust seems to be dislodged for a moment from this holy sanctum. And... As the sound dies down, a deep quiet sets in. Not even the sound of wind can make it in. And amid the fading of a slight white glow, she falls over onto the altar, unconscious. Okay. And Ampe turns to you, and this is what I meant. Tissa nods. She knows a big spell when she sees one. She's the only one who can push it this far. A four and a success on, yeah, an understanding focus roll. What spell did she cast? She cast Protecting Refuge. Okay. Uh, yeah. So every night we get everybody back in here. She casts the spell. Gideon by the way. Mm. And Ampe extends ahead. This is uh, Gideon, also Gaius Merciful. A couple of us kind of changed our names up here. And she, uh, then she sleeps. She sleeps until she wakes up sometime in the afternoon. Mm. But we get by on scavenging, mostly. There's a spell you can cast in here that kind of takes the edge off the hunger, but doesn't really do much else. <sighs> it's 
kind of keeps people from getting sick. And that's how we live up here. So it's just the whole world and this. <sighs> well, only for one more night. Yeah. Caldus has finally kind of looked up from his uh, is tending to Marcus. It's, yeah. One more night. Put everybody on the ship. In the immortal words of my arch knight, hey, fuck the north. <laughs> oh, that reminds me, Marcus says. Uh, Gaius Riche sends her regards. She's declared herself an arch knight. And at least a couple of the soldiers actually start to laugh at this. <laughs> it is an odd expression that cracks at the corners of their faces. <laughs> but they do start to laugh at the notion of Chila Gaius Riche as an arch knight. Well, come on, come on. Uh, P- Penelope's right. Penelope's right with the with the wine and everything. Let's let's have a feast, huh? Caldus looks around. Let's celebrate. Marcus has a seat on one of the benches. Caldus sits on one side, and the, one of the crusaders sits on the other. And there's a, I mean, more of a feast than they've seen in some time. Mm-hmm. And what is for you pretty normal ship fare. Although you notice that Marcus did dig into the good preserved beef. This is appropriate. And everyone starts to exchange stories. Not the ones you'd expect. The ones you'd expect, everyone knows how those end already. But stories about the few bright times that have been found here in Naka. The raiding of the old library. One of the crusaders points to a pile of books in the corner. An afternoon fishing when somebody fell in, unable to withstand the giant fish that they'd caught. Everyone has a good chuckle at this except Dampe, who did not find it as funny when it happened, but has found at least a little joy in it in retrospect. They are especially delighted to have preserved oranges. Which I bet. I mean, I haven't had them, so I can't testify, but they sound like something I cat would hate. But when you've been underground this long, stuck in a frozen wasteland. Only vitamin D you're getting coming from fish eyes. Yeah, and from magic. Mm-hmm. And all the while, Gideon sleeps. Just completely passed out. One edge success on sensitivity focus. What does it feel like to be in the presence of a big spell that is relying a whole lot on a connection to the most elusive of Daeliths? Everything is still. Everything is still and absolutely quiet. Your voices don't echo in this place. The air is frozen in place and does not move. No sound comes in from outside. No howling wind that was tormenting you while you were on your way here from the Westbreaker. Nothing. Everything is perfectly insulated, like a blanket fort. It seems a little darker in here, but that might be your imagination. But you can feel that central pillar, even though it isn't the real thing, holding up the room in its place. And um, what are the spell pieces here again? Nourishing, Forgotten, Absolute, Refuge, 
hollow, and sadness. Okay, thank you. Penelope is going to do a small spell called abs... Uh, oh, no, never mind, never mind. I'm sorry, never mind. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to use one of yours, too. Caldus is settled in next to Marcus, as cheerful as ever. He hasn't brought his flute with him, but he's chattering away with everyone just the same. Every so often, he jabs an elbow into Marcus's side and says, See, I told you. Marcus shakes his head at that, but he's legitimately smiling. Aw, Marcus. Tissa opens up her mouth to say, Did you? But then thinks better of it for the first time in her life. <laughs> Marcus, I think, sees this and turns to you and shrugs, as if to say, <laughs> just, <laughs> just let him have this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my, my brain is working again. So Penelope is going to actually cast a small spell. Okay. Just a little one called Restoring Refuge, just to kind of help add to the comfortable camp insulation feel and just keep it more cozy, I guess. Yeah. I'm only going to ask you for like a scatter because this is a pretty safe place as it stands, but tell me what this looks like. So as Penelope is sitting there and she's had a couple more sips of the fortified wine and you feel that warmness spread from your like stomach end up and that warmness kind of spreads from her out into the room a little bit. You kind of feel the temperature raise a couple degrees and people's muscles feel like that sort of relaxing feeling of when they like slip into a warm bath. Yeah. And eventually Marcus says, oh, this is, um, I don't know how to introduce you all properly. These are, well, this is my friend Tissa. Mm. Hello. This is Penelope Hunter of North Ridge. Penelope kind of tips her hat and nods a hello. A pirate in training? <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I'm learning some good stuff. <laughs> and this is the captain of the Westbreaker, Jonathan Cobbler. And Cobb just kind of gives a, a friendly smile and, and a wave. He's being a little, I guess, unusually quiet, but he wants Marcus to have this. Yeah, the... Uh... Soldiers all greet you. Uh, a couple of them are uh, very interested in hearing about the Westbreaker because as far as they knew, no ship could make it up here in the winter. And they're pretty sure it's winter. It can be hard to tell. And everybody laughs. <laughs> hmm. The survivor's laugh has that uh, edge to it. That's kind of haunted. Yeah, they know exactly how hilarious that statement is and how deeply unfunny it is as well. Caldus is, as usual, gregarious without restraint, has already kind of leaned in close to the fire and started shaking hands. And it's just happy as a clam in here. Oh, Caldus. The fire is a, a welcome thing at this time with the cold and everything. Penelope also is near the fire and passing around the wine. I'm not sure how much is left because I, <laughs> I think there was one <laughs> bottle, so... I think we're finishing the bottle. Yes, I think I this think... is like the last pass around the fire. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think, I, I think this is where we stop letting you have the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I was nice to give you that bottle in the first place. I'm taking it. <laughs> taking it back, yes. <laughs> it <Yeah>. is done. <laughs> yeah, no, Cobb has thrown his rum rations in there too. He's always got a little something on him. This is established Cobb fact since episode one. Man's always got something. Mm-hmm. They laugh. 
Penelope is going to try a understanding tinkering rule to do her best to describe the engineering that the Westbreaker has to the to the okay the, to the survivors. <laughs> so, because you said they were they were interested, so excellent. <laughs> You've used the word that is the correct skill, by the way. <laughs> But carry on, because I like this. Yeah, yeah. No, she doesn't have engineering, but she'll use her tinkering to be like, well... <laughs> Actually, um, apparently she was paying some attention because three successes rolled real good. Okay. At least one of the crusaders is paying close attention and nodding like this makes sense. The others are just like, Wow. It sounds like a hell of a ship. And Penelope is gesturing widely, like talking a lot with her hands to kind of try her best to explain. <laughs> she has her notebook open, doing some quick sketches of like, you know, the different parts. She still doesn't know all the names of the things because I don't think she's ever going to learn that because that seems like <laughs> busy work for her. She's more of a big picture kind of person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But does her best to kind of give the best uh, overview of it. Well... The time has come for me to ask all of you to make sensitivity rolls. All right. Straight sensitivity? You know what? Take your pick. Usual sensitivity rolls. Edge success and a four on sensitivity spirits. Um, Penelope's going to do sensitivity survival. One success, two edges on that one. Okay. Um... Uh... Cobb is going to roll sensitivity humanity. He's 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 watching folks. Okay. Uh, one success, one edge success. Okay. Um, Kathleen, for that edge success, uh, two scatter. Uh, no, I think I'm going to go into the assist pool for that instead. Okay. So I can tell all of you different things. I can tell Kirsten that Penelope hears the low moaning of the Arctic wind. Hmm. Nick, Cobb notices Gideon twitch slightly in her place reclining on the altar. And what Tissa notices is that this spell is not a single all-encompassing dome under which people can shelter freely. It seemed that way, it is not. This spell encompasses each person, protects each person. And with the addition of five... It's stretched to the cracking point. Tissa was probably leaning on something sitting on the ground and bolts up straight, is on her feet within an instant, and is looking around. Marcus stands as well, just like, what is it? <sighs> there are too many of us. Too many of us. It's not big enough. There's... What's... There's a hole. What's not big enough, Tissa? The, the spell's not big enough. There's a hole. There's a hole somewhere. I, I'm i hearing some wind from outside. Is Or you mean a hole in the spell? Is there a way to, that we can boost it? You you can hear... I'm not exactly sure. How... how do, can Penelope tell which direction it's coming from? Or? No, you are, you are deep in a labyrinth. You can tell that it is coming from above you. It is the wind. Okay. Penelope starts kind of like looking around nervously and then... But is there a way we can boost this spell to help fill that hole? Uh, 
Sissa is real agitated. I, 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 I could, I, if I could do it right, could I, I don't know if I can push myself that far, um, um. Penelope puts a hand on her shoulder. We, we can help you. Okay. Cobb also puts a, a big hand on her shoulder and says, we're here for you, it'll be okay. And so, we can cast a real big chord. Mm. Tissa is going to be doing perfect refuge and be fully scattered into her assist pool. Oh no, yeah, you're right. I was just going to say, you need your assist pool for perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what does anyone else want to add to it? Um, I could put in restoring again. And I can add... Um, you have supporting. Yes, because I filled my key. Ah, good, yes. good thinking. I will add supporting. That is a really <laughs> good word. So Penelope will add supporting, and um, her scatter's pretty full right now, so she can add as many scatter as you might need. Um, <laughs> I, w- I will give you the calculations when the time has come for that. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> uh, cop can add the word crew. Yeah, it's what it's there for. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the first thing I'm going to ask is, I'm going to ask you what this spell looks like. I think that we can still hear a little bit that sense of resonance that we felt when the spell first went up. And this spell sweeps around and looks for the places where there are abnormalities. The scary part jumps out bigger and louder for a second, and then it flips and is gone. Like it's being canceled out. It's like an equalizer. I am making a sound joke. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Kathleen. (sighs) Okay. So this is going to cost a grand total of 15 scatter. Well, dang. <laughs> because you're adding five people to a spell that was meant for five people, so you're duplicating it, and that's... Uh... Um, I could put in... Um, also, it's either that or the horrors get in, so you guys get to choose. I can put in seven. You can? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Cobb can also put in seven. Okay. Well, so Tissa can put in one and be overscattered on her assist pool and almost overscattered <laughs> on her regular scatter pool. Okay. I think most of us are, are, are close to full scatter. <laughs> yeah, like, but Marcus like steps in because he is he's seen Tissa do this before and he's prepared to catch her. Oh. <laughs> And it's just like, oh, oh, you're good. Good. I thank you. Thank you. I'm really glad that that was good enough. Yeah. (sighs) Well, I think that was good enough. 
Like Ampe said, one more night. One more night. We'll make it back to the West Breaker, all of us. Mm-hmm. You tell me if it wasn't good enough, right? Yes, of course. Okay. While they're talking, Penelope is rummaging a couple blankets and, and makes kind of a little nest for uh, Tissa to sit down in. Here, Tissa, you can uh, take a bit of a rest. Tissa sits down and then stands up and then starts rearranging things and, like, sits down and rearranges things again. Like a kitty getting uh, all set. <laughs> yeah, Cobb Aww. even points out, she's like, oh, she's like a cat. <laughs> On one hand, that's not exactly what's happening to Tissa right now. On the other, it is an accurate summation of Tissa in general, I think. <laughs> I feel like if there is a party member who just gets the proverbial zoomies, it's Tissa. <laughs> <laughs> when we set down in port, Tissa's first impulse is always, okay, gotta go find the woods somewhere. <laughs> gotta go fast. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Tissa has to go outside to yell at birds. Yes. <laughs> yes. <sighs> the problem with the blanket nest is that the blankets, you can't get them even. Mm -hmm. You cannot get them even. There are folds in them. The corners are everywhere. The corners are not matching. There's different thicknesses everywhere you put yourself. It is excruciating. It's like you think that it's good before you sit down, but it's not because your weight shifts it as you sit down. And this is all kind of also in this numb haze. And it's very frustrating. And I think that, like, eventually she kind of just flops kind of helplessly in a fatiguey way. Aww. Oh, come on, come on. And, and Cobb kind of, like, helps get her set up and kind of, kind of picks her up and <laughs> basically tucks her in. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Tissa can feel the perfect geometry of the stars dancing against the horizon. <laughs> they are distant. They are through the ceiling. But they are calculating and flawless in their motion. Mm -hmm. And she cannot help but contrast this with Cobb, who is <laughs> never either of those things. <laughs> So the consequence for overscattering into a Magus's assist pool is perfection. Nothing but the flawless clarity of the stars will do. And yet here we are. Mm -hmm. And yet here we are. Everything is uneven and lumpy underneath your body that's trying to rest because the blankets keep shifting and the air, I guess, would be uneven. Every, yeah, I guess everything would be like... The world is currently unforgivably chaotic. Yes. It's, even in the silence, it's noisy. There's heartbeats. There's rufflings of clothes. There's shifting of boots against a stone floor. And everything is just a little bit too close. Yeah. If only everything were so much further away. <laughs> <sighs> Everything is new and energetic. 
a delightful way like you might think, <laughs> but in a tiring way. And speaking of being tired, these blankets. <laughs> Tissa kind of like has that look where you're almost reaching for something that's far away, but like does eventually kind of settle down because she doesn't really have any choice in the matter. And a sigh moves through the room, one person at a time. And every sigh is a little bit different. Some are weary, some are exhausted, some are satisfied. Some are almost contagious sighs because the rest of the room was doing it. That seems to be Caldas's case. He's uh, paying keen attention to everyone around him, but he's unmistakably an outsider. He looks off into Cobb and Penelope for reassurance. Penelope kind of shoots a friendly, knowing look back, just kind of saying, like, this is all right. This is where we're supposed to be. Marcus sighs again. Our orders were to secure a staging post here in Naka so that the reclamation could begin. One of the Crusaders snickers at that unabashedly when in the presence of a commanding officer that would uh, in a previous life have been unforgivable this is a different lifetime however Marcus looks around the temple this can barely be secured for ten and at cost well what are we to do? Cobb sort of rubs his eyes and just goes, As loath as I am to admit it, I think we may indeed need the help of uh, our engineer's other friends to do something about this place. At least for any long-standing period of time. It's too exhausting being here. Cobb kind of looks around and involuntarily shudders. I don't like it here. It's too, it's too close to the other side. And the Crusaders nod at this. They know full well what Cobb means. They understand completely just how close this place is to the other side. Ampe looks at the altar where the closest of them to the other side still sleeps. So we return to the ship. We consult with Gaius' ascendant. That's the first move. Yes. <sighs> Where'd the rum go? I'm going to need that tonight. Have you still got your flask? Penelope kind of holds up the flask. Uh, here you go. <laughs> that can't have been your only one. I gave the rest to everybody else. Cobbler, you gave us the last of your rum. Well, it was a... It was worth it. I'm touched. Thank you, Cobb. Oh, yeah, no problem. I'm just gonna take it easy, though. Mm. Come morning, we shall return you to the ocean where you belong. And to your rum barrel. Oh. I think I mostly just need some good sleep. Mm. It always gets bad when I'm this close, but up here it's even worse. Hmm. Rest. Yeah. We're here. 
but I do want to say, Marcus, I'm very glad that uh, you're not in the same boat that I am. Mm. I always get sick. Cobb kind of looks around at everybody. Uh, different boat. And at this point, he is also like kind of, I guess not rolling, but sort of like rubbing his bandana between his fingers. Well, thank you, Cobbler. I am glad as well. I'm glad the past hasn't eaten them as well. Well, not all of them. And the Crusaders nod. They know just how many were eaten. And only his back and goes, maybe, maybe that's why I always liked you, Marcus. Mm. You know what it's like <sighs> when the past catches up with you. Yes. Yes, I think we both understand that too well. And to the people we looked up to, who became pillars of our existences one day and died the next. For us, it was Gaius Lucian. And the Crusaders are nodding. Some of them have begun to smile a little bit. Archknight of the Glacier Legion. You know, Marcus, I think, I think they might... I think they knew. I think they knew that uh, they left it. That didn't good hand. Cobb kind of pats him on the shoulder. I'm not Gaius Riche. I'm not going to declare myself an archknight in the basement in Stageport. Basement, like the, the Crusaders, like the Stageport, Stageport, an archknight, really? And Caldas is nodding, like, yeah, basement, <laughs> Stageport. <laughs> Penelope, Penelope <laughs> nods too. It's like, yep. For the Albatross Legion. They're a, a very friendly legion. Hmm. <laughs> and for the rest of the night, the outside is quiet. Thanks to how much effort Cobtis and Penelope put into keeping it that way. And all three of you can feel the pressure of the night on the outside of this world you've created. It is unceasing and it is dedicated. But this night, it does not break through. And that I believe brings us to memory time. I have uh, two moments. That moment where Marcus kind of steps forward to catch Tissa in case she, like, falls from the overscatter was really sweet. And then Marcus and Cobb's conversation was also really good. Really liked that, too, actually. Yeah, I'm glad that we got to talk about Cobb's experience of scatter on microphone, finally. Yeah. Cobb is very scattered in the north. He's not having a good time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He, he is at 9 out of 10, so... Oof. Starting to be glad I didn't do a combat to y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah. If there was a combat, I think 
Good. Penelope was at um, eight, so she was also really close to... <laughs> Whoopsie doodle. Yeah. <laughs> but I also did really like uh, Tissa Cat. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. But, it, you know, I know that feeling where you're like, you're sort of like a bit out of it, but you want to shift things to make it comfortable, but it feels like one side is not even, but then you try to fix it and the other side isn't. And it's just like, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I too was camping the first time I did acid. <laughs> <laughs> the memory flooded back to me. <laughs> like I'm, I'm describing just the situation. And I'm like, ah, shit. <laughs> yep. 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 Oh, <laughs> uh, don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> Especially not when you're camping. <sighs> All right. Thank you for joining us, listeners. Yeah, thanks for coming along, everybody. Thank you. We love you. You're our favorite. We do. You can't see it because it's microphone, but I'm making a heart right now. Aw. Heart. Let's see. If you have any real good camping stories to tell us. Yeah, if you've got great camping stories. On microphone. (laughs) Yeah, about that time that nothing was perfect. Where can they uh, send those stories to, Kat? They can use the email form at peachgardengames.com or they can hit us up on Twitter at peachgardenrpgs. We would love to hear from you. Every time we hear from a listener or a fan of the games, it absolutely makes our day. So go ahead, make our day. Dirty Harry. (laughs) That was Dirty Harry, right? Yes. We don't think you're punks, though, unless you are punks and you're the cool punks. Yeah. Are you the cool punks? Of course you're the cool punks. Whatever you are, you're the cool one. Because mm-hmm. you're our listener and we love you. With all our hearts. Okay, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Everyone Dice is a tabletop RPG actual play show produced by Compass Rose Productions. We are a group of queer players with a focus on roleplay, an emphasis on diverse storytelling, and a goal of creating happy endings for people who don't usually get them. Currently, we are using D&D 5th edition and playing through a dark fantasy homebrew campaign inspired by the world of Innistrad. Everyone Dice streams on Twitch at 4pm PST and is available on YouTube. Check us out on Twitter at Everyone Dice for more information.